Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. Okay, so a couple of years back, I had my best, worst Valentine's Day ever. And I want to share this story with you. Number one, because Valentine's Day is coming up if you're listening to this episode around the time that it drops. But number two, because... I really want to talk about loneliness because this is something that we all have to deal with. And this story is about me dealing with it badly. <laughs> it starts out a couple years after my divorce. I hadn't dated at all. I was quite frankly, a little bit too scared. I tried and every time that somebody showed me that they had any interest, I just like freaked out and ran away. But I started to feel like maybe I was getting ready that I was interested in dating. And so one day I actually was watching an episode of Fixer Upper. I love Chip and Joe, love home improvement type stuff. And I'm watching Chip and Joe together and I'm like, I think I need a guy like Chip Gates. <laughs> now, if Joe is watching, I just want you to know I am not after your husband at all. This is not even specifically about Chip, but about what Chip represented to me as I was watching this. You know, I was watching this and I saw a guy who was a family man who loved kids, loved Jesus and could fix anything, <laughs> you know, even if he does break it first. But as I had this revelation, I thought, you know what, maybe what I needed was a clear picture of who I was looking for. And that means I'm ready. So I started dating online, met a couple of nice guys, nice again, but not chip. And I was about to just quit entirely until I was contacted by a guy that will call Skip James. So Skip and I hit it off right off the bat. We chatted a lot through the dating app and he was really forward about asking me to go out. I could tell that he was rugged and we had some conversations about our faith. And so I thought, hey, maybe this is actually working. Our first date was really amazing and we wanted to see each other again. But the week after that first date was Valentine's Day. And we thought, both of us thought, Ooh, that seems like this is a little quick for us to be doing coupley kind of things. But neither of us wanted to miss the opportunity to go out and enjoy the holiday. So we thought, hey, let's not put pressure on this, but let's do ourselves a favor. Let's get dressed up and let's just go enjoy the time together. So we went out and the closest metro to me is Nashville. So he took me to all of these really cool sites. And by the end of the evening, we end up on a rooftop that's overlooking the city. I mean, this was like music city magical. And I thought, well, so much for not wanting to do coupley things. It seems like this guy's pretty into me. So after that date, we continued to chat quite a lot. But as the weeks went on, we saw less and less of each other. I was really confused. I was like, I don't even know what's going on here. But I was definitely really emotionally invested by this point. 
because of just all of the excitement and the chemistry and everything that had been building up to this point. But at the point that I suddenly realized, hey, I think I actually just have a pen pal, I confronted him about the whole thing and he said, I just don't think I'm ready for what you deserve. Ouch. <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? You know, but as I thought back to the weeks prior, I realized that there were red flags that I'd noticed that I just pushed to the side because I thought, man, no, this, this guy's really into me. You know, we had this great Valentine's date, you know, and I definitely made some mistakes. I crossed some boundaries I shouldn't have that led to this situation happening. But at the moment that I recognize it, he was not invested the way that I was. I was devastated. I felt so stupid. I felt like, how, how did I let this happen? And this wasn't the first time that I'd overinvested in a relationship only to have it blow up in my face. And I just felt so, so lonely. Absolutely missed and unseen and overlooked. And I just couldn't figure it out. You know, and, and that's what loneliness really is. You know, it's, it's this feeling when I am alone that I'm not seen. Nobody cares. It's this thing that, that brings back every thought of times when we felt like we didn't belong or that we were rejected or we were betrayed. So with this all in mind, what do we do? What do we do when we feel lonely? Is there anything we can do? Because loneliness feels like this thing we can't escape. It feels like this thing, you know, it involves other people. It involves relationships, right? So we, it often feels like this is not something that's totally within my control. But sometimes even that feeling causes us to think, but maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it's just slightly within my control. You know, that maybe if I invest in this relationship a little bit more, they'll see how good I really am or how perfect that we are together. You know, it has us... Um, sometimes where we're repeating, though, where we're dating the same kind of guy, and this is definitely what happened because Skip was not the first kind of guy that I dated like this, but that we, we kind of have this like broken CD, you know, skipping on repeat kind of thing where we're, we're seeing the same patterns in our relationships over and over and over. And when we do that, we're sitting there going, oh, my goodness, what is wrong with me? Am I just like undateable? Am I unlovable? Am I, am I just that? like disgusting or undesirable that this is what my lot is in life. On the flip side, though, you know, it, it may be something that just feels like it's too far out of reach. Sometimes it can feel like, you know, it's just not worth the trouble. You know, people are, are not trustworthy. It's too much work to try to figure out if someone is going to, you know, show up and have these magical two weeks and then just like bail out and disappear on us again. And so, you know, wherever you might be with this, and sometimes it just depends on the season, you know, sometimes after one particular breakup, we may go more towards one way or the other. But it's, it's just one of those things that it highlights how isolated this season of life can make us feel, you know, that if I have to show myself a certain way, if I have to speak up to have my needs met, that feels bad, right? Like if, if people really saw me or knew me or cared about me, that they would just know, right? Like if I have to advocate for myself and my needs, like does it, what's, the, what's the point? 
you know? And then that's the thing that so often, you know, whether it's relationships or community or whatever, it just feels like, man, nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. Nobody sees me. And that's what's so triggering about Valentine's Day is, you know, we look at these days and we see all the couples and we're thinking, well, you know, maybe what does she have that I don't have? Or, you know, we start thinking back to our exes and think, hmm, I wonder if I should just send them a text, you know, to see how they're doing. Um, you know, that we are maybe even more prayerful about this, but we're begging God to bring somebody back to us, that we're begging God to fix someone or to heal a relationship, you know, and, and those are places also where we may feel like we're spiritualizing this to some point where it's like, but I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to bring the right person or fix the situation or whatever the case is. But we can also look at it and think, maybe God doesn't care. Maybe it is all up to me. Maybe he doesn't see this. Maybe he forgot about me, you know? And so that's what's so isolating about loneliness is it's impacting our ability to relate to other people. It's impacting our ability to relate to God. And in the midst of it, we just often are repeating cycles that we don't know how to get out of it. But what if being alone does not mean that I have to feel this way? What if alone and loneliness are two separate things. Because I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people who are fine being alone. I looked at them and I thought, goodness, you have something that I don't, right? <laughs> but as I have, I've really been obsessed with loneliness for the last five years, just trying to understand it, trying to see how I can be free of this. And over the last couple of years specifically, I've been able to understand that it is possible to be alone and not be lonely. So with that in mind, what do we do? <laughs> is it possible to stop feeling lonely? Now, when I ask this, I'm not saying that we're never going to feel like a pang of loneliness ever again. I think that this is an emotion that God put in us to draw us towards connection. It's meant to draw us into healthy relationships, healthy community, relationship with Him. And just like anger lets us know that something is wrong or sadness lets us know that we need some comfort, loneliness lets us know that, hey, we need some, we need some connection. We're all wired that way. We're wired for relationship. But what I'll say is that loneliness, that chronic long-term just longing and feeling of rejection and disconnect, all of that, that is a different thing. That loneliness is not really about then being alone. It's triggered by being alone. But loneliness is everything in our lives that comes up and all those feelings that come up when we are reliving some really significant points of disconnection from the past. And I want to give you an example. So if we think about my Valentine's Day gone wrong, <laughs> which I didn't know it on the day, but it happened later. But my Valentine's Day gone wrong, the, the point of where this relationship went sour, yeah, I felt rejected. It hurt. But why then for even months after that did I spiral downward and just feel so heartbreakingly lonely? It wasn't necessarily because of this one instance. It was because of the other dates that I had been rejected by. It was because of my divorce. It was because of the betrayals. It was because of friends stabbing me in the back when I was a kid. It was even about points of disconnection that I felt in my relationship with my parents. 
And these were things that were not all obvious to me on the surface. I did a lot of digging after this season. I stopped dating to figure out what was going on. And it suddenly became clear to me this trigger of being alone just brought back all of the times that I felt unworthy, all of the times that I felt you know, that, that narrative kept going on in my head that there's something wrong with me. And I'll be honest, I got a little mad at myself. I got a little mad at letting this one person twist me up like this. So I had to start asking myself, what am I going to do about this? What do I do when I feel this way? How am I allowing this person to get into my head this badly? And I had to recognize that there were some patterns. As I mentioned, I kind of put myself in this situation of going on this date when I probably shouldn't have with a person that I didn't really know yet, with pushing away red flags and putting myself in a situation that was bound to make me feel lonely again. I didn't know it. And I have compassion for myself now to know that, you know, I was excited. It was somebody who was fun and was paying attention to me. When you've been really significantly hurt, that feels really good. <laughs> but in the middle of it, what I was repeating, that I had repeated in relationships before, that I repeated in my marriage before, when I was dating my husband, all of these kinds of things, I repeated this pattern of false hope that ends up leading us into situations where we're going to be lonely. False hope is when we are thinking about the way that things could be. You know, and a lot of times this happens to us when we are feeling lonely. We get into this space of either daydreaming about, wow, wouldn't it be great if, and imagining all these scenarios, or we start fantasizing about a past ex, you know, we start romanticizing all the times we had with this person. We forget how badly they treated us. We forget all of the things that, that God was trying to show us maybe about how they weren't good for us, but we're, we're stuck on only remembering the good times. And so when we're doing that though, because we've built up this picture in our minds of what relationship could look like or should look like or has looked like, then we're doing things that cause us to cling on to that, like so, like death grip, you know? So like I said, whether it's like, we're praying that God will bring this person like into our lives but we never leave our house, you know? <laughs> or if we are, are just, you know, bypassing these red flags, like I mentioned in this scenario, where this person is obviously doing some sketchy stuff, but we're just, we're just ignoring the whole thing. You know, if it is hoping that something is going to work out, if it's, you know, putting all of our eggs into this person's basket, because we've already decided they're the one for us for whatever reasons, the point is we start investing in an outcome. False hope has us investing in an outcome, something we can't control, something we can't change. So we start changing ourselves or we start changing what we think we see. We start explaining things away because we now want that outcome to happen. Our hope is all in that outcome. We start to tell ourselves, well, I'll just be happy if I have that outcome. And this is what then perpetuates the loneliness. It's what keeps it going because we can't control that outcome. And so much of the time, we're going to end up disappointed because our selection criteria, if we're honest in a lot of these situations, was too low. We're settling for things that aren't good for us. And a lot of it is just because in the moment it feels good. And like I said, if that's you, 
I'm not judging you. <laughs> totally get it. But I want to talk about then instead, real hope. Real hope is not the way that we think of it in this world. In this world, we use the word hope so like loosely. We'll say like, I hope somebody comes and cleans my house. <laughs> you know, I hope my kids will listen to me. You know, those kinds of things. But real hope is different. Real hope does not disappoint. Real hope is something that we can understand from the Bible and how it describes it. It's not putting the faith in an outcome. My favorite definition of the word hope from the Bible is to expect good. And it's being able to expect good because it's just who God is. Psalm 119.68 says, God is good and he does good. Psalm 145.17 says, everything God does is good. And this is all over scripture. Everything he does is good. So where we can't put our hope in outcomes and we can't control what's going to happen, and even where bad things have happened, God is good and everything he does is good. So if something bad has happened to you, there's still hope because we know God is good and everything he does is good. And so learning to expect good though, it's a shift because now we're not looking at the outcome. Especially when, you know, we've kind of thought maybe my hope is in God because I'm praying for this certain outcome, right? But we know the difference because when it doesn't happen or it seems like it's taking too long, then we get really frustrated or we get irritated. We start to question God. We start to, you know, if we feel like we had an inclination from him, you know, we, we start to say, well, did you really say this? Was this me? You know, all that kind of stuff. But what it really is, is being able to just stop the fantasizing. Like, disconnect from all future outcomes and just start to live into the present moment today. And that's hard because that's the place where we realize I'm alone. <laughs> like this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good. But in that moment in turning to God, you know, we're asking him, how do I see this the way that you see it? You know, and recognizing that his ways are not our ways, that his ways are higher than our ways, which means if we even just think about the perspective of higher, that he is God above, he sees things we don't. He knows things we don't. He knows that this person is, if they're a real one or if they're fake. He knows if you're ready or they're ready. You know, if you think about, like, I have a garden in my backyard. You know, I don't know if any of you are gardeners, but if you think about planting something in the ground or even if you're going to pick something, you know the difference of whether or not you want to pick something that's ripe or not. And honestly, it's not worth it to pick something that's not ripe because it's inedible. <laughs> and so in this case, sometimes the, our gauge on what's right or ripe or not is off. And we need God to be able to tell us those things. And sometimes it's too hard for us to see. Sometimes that's where we need other good people into our lives that we can ask the honest advice from. I mean, in this moment where I was going on this Valentine's Day date though, I don't know if I would have listened to anybody. But the point is, God knew whether that situation was right or ripe. <laughs> Don't you think I would have really wanted to know if it was going to be rotten at least? So learning to have hope is knowing that in whatever God is showing me, it's because he's good. That if he's removing a relationship, it's because he's good. At the time that this relationship didn't work out, I was so, so mad. But over time, I started to see kind of maintained a friendship with this person for a little while. And I could see 
we were not even going in the same direction. And it was only then that I could recognize, you know, we talk about rejection is God's protection. It was only then that I could start to understand we just weren't going the same way. And God, in His kindness, removed me from that situation, though it was so painful. But that pain was also good for me that I wouldn't repeat that again. Because I really took a long, hard look (laughs) at my life and my patterns after this situation. And in the midst of this, we have to recognize that God is protecting us in times that we may not even be protecting ourselves. And the difference here then between false hope and real hope is false hope is actually hoping in things that are uncertain. But real hope is hoping in the one who we can be certain about. That his word tells us over and over and over who he is and what he does and that what he does is good. And it's hard to embrace that. It really is. And that's part of the breaking of loneliness. It just, it can be crushing, but it's up to us whether we allow our minds to go to that place of of this wishful thinking. That's really what false hope is, is this wishful thinking. Or if we allow ourselves to go to this place of hope, of knowing the certainty of the fact that God loves me and he's doing what's good for me. God is not holding back. He's not hold he's not he's not forgetting. He's not withholding. He's not doing any of those things that our mind starts to tell us that he's doing. Hope in, instead then tells us this is not it. This is not the end. This is a God who loves me. This is a God who is for me. That if this feels bad right now, he's not going to leave me. If I've made mistakes, he's not going to leave me. He's not trying to teach me a lesson. There's a lesson that may come from this, but he's not trying to crush me or crush my, my spirit. He wants to grow me. He wants to strengthen me. He wants to give me a a future to run after. And sometimes it means that I have to go into seasons or time periods where I feel alone, but I'm being grown. You know, we think about a seed that goes into the ground. It goes into the dark. It goes in alone. And there's a time period in there where we are not really sure what's happening to that seed. We're not going to dig it up and look at it. But as that seed is in the ground, it's being watered, it's being cultivated, it's receiving nourishment and nutrients and all those types of things so that something new will grow from it. God does not allow something to go into the ground without something then being able to spring forth from it. And I get it. (laughs) I get that having a relationship with God this way, trusting God this way is different than being able to have a relationship with a person And it seems like, yeah, but shouldn't I just be able to like keep going online and find that person, you know? But the point is, in this time period where I was really mad and I stopped dating, I started to ask God really tough questions. And he revealed to me that a lot of the reasons why I kept ending up in these situations was because I didn't trust him. And so in that journey to figure out what does even trusting God really look like? You know, I want a relationship. I want a person, (laughs) you know? So like, what does all of this have to do with with my loneliness and where this is all going. But in that time period where I wasn't dating, I started, as I said, to see what I didn't see in my past relationships. And I started to see how God had been protecting me. And I started to see also though how I was running into situations that weren't good for me and how God didn't want that for me, that he loved me enough to pull me out of things that were not good. And that 
in seeing all that and looking back at all that, I realized like, wow, God, God was chasing after me. He's pursuing me. He really must see something in me that I don't see. And so no longer was the question, what's wrong with me? It was like, wow, God, what do you see? And then I started to hear it. I started to see it in the word. I started to hear him whispering things to me, names to me, daughter, precious, all of these things that that was my name. That was how I thought of myself. And it took a long time. I'm not going to like, this was not like, oh, I listened to a, you know, 30 minute podcast. All of a sudden I could receive all the words of God, you know, all the things he said about me. But the point was I started to allow things into my mind though, that could counter all those lies, all the lies that loneliness brings up. All the lies that say, even from childhood, that there was something wrong with you or that people couldn't be trusted. I started to counter all of those thoughts. And then I stopped settling. And because I now could see myself the way that God saw me, I refused to settle for anybody who didn't. I refused to settle for anyone who didn't treat me that way. I knew that a person who was really having a relationship with God, a solid relationship with God, would see in me what God saw in me, that he'd have those kinds of eyes. And I wasn't willing to just take a little attention or a smile or a second look or a chat anymore. If you're like me, you've probably already seen so many red flags in your life that you could cut them up and make yourself a lovely evening gown out of them. I have wasted so much time and tears in unhealthy relationships, and mostly because I just didn't even understand red flags. And here's what I found out. Red flags aren't just for dating relationships. They are for all relationships. And what we don't know can really hurt us. With this in mind, Plus One Parents has created a class called Red Flags in Dating, What They Mean and How to Make Sure You Don't Miss Them. This is a single session class, and in this class, you'll discover why red flags even matter in the first place. You'll learn the obvious and the not so obvious signs of a person who is emotionally unavailable or abusive, and you'll also learn what you need to know instead to meet a godly match. You can actually start this class right now, today, when you join the Plus One Parents Collective All Access Membership, and you can do that by going over to plusoneparents.org. So if you are struggling with this, if loneliness is something that just keeps coming around and around and around, whichever way it looks, if you're obsessing and pushing towards relationships or if you're avoiding and pulling back from relationships, there's something that I want to suggest to you. And I just mentioned it a second ago. If there's one thing that I would encourage you to start with, it's thinking about the lies. What are those things that you're believing? What is that nagging voice of the enemy that's in your head. You know, that's really what is at the core of this. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your hope. You know, in the, in the moments where when you're alone and you're thinking back to all of the mistakes or all of the hurts that you've had to endure, the enemy wants to take any ability that you have to expect good. And so he lies. He tells you things that are not true in order for you to settle, settle for less, settle than what God has for you. And so what I want to encourage you to do is just ask yourself, take a moment today, ask yourself, what is the lie? What are the lies? Is it, I'm, I'm so awkward, I'm so ugly, 
I don't like talking to people. I can't talk to people. Nobody wants to talk to me. I'm telling you what, those are all the things that I believed. And then I want you to ask yourself, what's the truth? What is the truth? Even go into God's word. Start, start with the things that we know in the word, that you're a child of God, that you're chosen before the foundations of the earth, that you were wonderfully made by him. And as you start to absorb those and talk to God about those things, you can ask him for unique names. You can ask him for things uniquely. I've had prayer times with him where he's shared those unique words with me. You can ask him to rename you. If you've been called horrible names, you can ask him for a new name. And then write those down because the enemy, he doesn't give up. Just because you have truth in your mind now does not mean that he is done. <laughs> so you write those down and you reflect on those. If there's scriptures to put on your mirror or to, to memorize when that lonely feeling comes up, when those lies come up, to just cover your mind in truth, do that. But then ask yourself, what would I do if the truth was true? You know, I had this problem when I was really just underneath these lies. I could not look people in the eye. I could not make eye contact, not with strangers, not with anybody. And so if anybody even looked at me, I was like immediately looking down at the ground. And so I had to start this thing. I called it Operation Eye Contact. <laughs> and so I had to, I, I challenged myself to every day make eye contact with somebody. And this was like whether I was at the preschool drop-off, whether I was at the grocery store, you know, and, and not like in a way that was creepy, you know, you know, but I was also not like looking to invest, you know, sometimes we won't do this because it's like, well, I got to look and see if they have a ring first. And I totally did that. But it's like, whether it's a man or a woman, an adult or a child, whoever it is, just smile, just make eye contact and smile. And as I started to challenge myself, though, in my action, I was starting to seeing people smile back at me. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like, this is not as bad. This is not as scary as I thought. People are not as scary as I thought. And that helped some of that truth to become more and more embedded to the point then where I started really feeling that truth and I wanted to smile at people. I knew what God saw in me and I wanted them to know that God saw that in them too. And that was like the easiest, cheapest, freest thing I had to give away of myself and who God made me to be. It's just eye contact and a smile. And these things can be really simple, but, you know, just thinking about what are these things that I do that I don't have to do anymore if I know what the truth is, if I know that the truth is true, if I know that the other truth that is true is that I can expect good, that I can move about my day and know that God is going to do something great in it each and every day, that he's going to show me something new, that in my opening up, in my learning to be vulnerable, in my connections with friends and family and, and all of the people around me that he's building me up in a way that would prepare me for whatever he has, whatever plan he had for me from the beginning, the people he's called me to, the purposes that he has, the relationships, all those things that whatever he has, that just by expecting good each and every day and learning how to trust that and walk in it, that he is getting me ready and that I can be hopefully expectant for what's to come. And I know you can be too. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. 
You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember you are seen and you are beloved.